This is exactly right. Tell yourself over and over again, if you make your decision based on information you got and your full heart, you cannot go wrong. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I am your host, Dr. Dan. And let me tell you a little bit about our mission at Parent Footprint. Our mission is to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. We believe the key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives, happiness, health, engagement, and of course, awareness. We believe that awareness is the foundation of your vision of successful parenting. And with increased awareness and intention, we can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint on our children. Today's show is so in line with health and intention. Today's show is called The Wonder Weeks, A Stress-Free Guide to Your Baby's Behavior. And we're talking to our guest, Xaviera Plas. Xaviera is the mother of three and the CEO of the Wonder Weeks. They have a mission to give parents the tools they need in order to fully understand their baby's mental and emotional development. Xaviera is the daughters of doctors Franz Ploy and Dr. Hedy von der Wright, the founding authors of the Wonder Weeks, and Xaviera has just significantly revised and modernized the sixth edition of this book, which was released yesterday and is already on Amazon, a number one bestseller. This award-winning book offers a refreshing new paradigm for parenting, one in which fuzzy, fussy phases can be viewed positively. She's also recently launched a best-selling app so parents can keep track of the 10 magical leaps that their babies make on a personalized schedule. She's a writer, a columnist, a popular speaker, and she's in 24-7 contact with parents around the globe. She's also a trusted member of the Lumi by Pampers Expert Advisory Panel. And she is joining us, living with her husband and children from the Netherlands. Xavier, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. What an introduction. So you need so yes, expanding upon this this your history. Um with this book that you have now, this legacy, I want to say this legacy with your parents that now you have taken to the next level. So tell us about, just give us a backstory on, on this, this de- new development. Well, the part on which we describe how the mental development goes, that doesn't change. It will just change by evolution. So we won't live to see that. But the way we parents want to have information now is completely different than before. I think we live in an era in which uh, parents are in some way much more, I can't say engaged, but they want to play a much more interactive role. Um, While before we go to the doctor and just say the doctor said that, we now want to actually really know that we're making that decision also with our hearts and our intuition. And I think that's what we did with this book and this revised edition. We made it so clear that parents can actually, so we give them 
the information they need, and then they can do and make their own decisions based on what they would love to know now. And I think that is the main difference. We try to make these leaps even interactive because the mental development of babies, of course, is so different than ours. And the, the perception of their worlds is so different than ours. And sometimes just seeing the world through someone's eyes makes you understand their behavior better, which is you know applicable to everybody, I think. Um, but to understand how your baby sees that perceives the world is so so completely different than ours. It's so difficult. So we even make little um, quizzes or tests or things, exercises you can do just to make sure you understand the way your baby's perceiving the world. And that way, I think we give trust to people so they can really rely on making their own decisions better. If you understand mm-hmm. someone, you can make better decisions, right? So, yes, absolutely. And then, so there's key, some key differences between this approach and the more traditional approaches of, you know, looking at your baby's stages and development. Can you tell our yeah. audience what, what distinguishes your approach? Biggest, biggest, biggest difference is that we look at the mental development. That means the perception mm-hmm. of the world and not at what a baby does. To be honest, you just introduced me. You said everything I did with told you about my choices in life, the way I maybe perceive life, what I do. Um, But no one introduces me. As you know, she walked at the age of 13 months. Um, (laughs) True, right? But then, you know, the conversations we have, and it's all about that. Isn't that weird? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that is something I'm fighting for. I'm trying to make parents see that actually what the only thing that really counts is the mental development. At one point, they'll all crawl or walk or roll over. And you know what? I've had a kid that walked at nine months, and it's not at walk in the park because they don't perceive things like uh, stairs or height differences. And I've never had so many bruised knees. And with my son, for example, who started walking at 17 months, which is late, they say. But, you know, he just knew how to walk. His mental development was already there. So we're trying to really make people aware of um, what's going on in, in a baby's mind. And I think that is the main difference. And that is something we are striving to do. And actually, we're succeeding really well because um, we are shifting the focus from the physical milestones to that what really matters, the mental development. And, and, I want, and we're going to dive deeper into the mental development. And before doing so, I think it's important for us to know what are the wonder weeks? You know, what are, how long are these weeks and what, when do they happen? Okay, so let me start to explain some of the history. Before we thought that everybody just developed gradually, so you learn a bit more every day. But since a couple of years, and in some cases even decades, we know that almost all organisms do not develop gradually, we develop in leaps, meaning that at one point, Something just happens in the brain or in, in, in like it's called lower organisms who do not have a brain, but still something happens in which the perception changes in which um, some parts of the mental development that are linked to the physical development change. And that gives this whole new world. It's as if you would wake up on a different planet and everything would be completely different. Um, now that's the leap. That's growing with leaves. So there's this whole new world that you can explore and you can choose out of what you want to do as a baby. 
Um, and those are leaves. And that is actually what my parents and their legacy um, saw in babies. First of all, in chimp babies, when they studied chimp babies uh, with Jane Goodall in Tanzania, so free living mm -hmm. chimp uh, babies. And then later on in babies, human babies too. And they saw that, you know, at one point, every parent has to cope with a child that just isn't themselves. That just like almost goes back in their development instead of forward. Who's um, clingy, who's, you know, not just your fussy behavior. And as a parent, of course, the first thing you want to is something wrong with my baby or uh, am I doing something wrong? And the fact that we found out or my parents found out that it's actually a telltale sign of progress on the way was something that benefited every parent because you now know that these leaves who start that start with the first step back before this giant step forward is there is mm -hmm. actually a good sign. Um, as to answer the question, you said like, how many leaps are there? Well, there are 10 leaps in the first 20 months of life. The question, how long do these leaps last, is a bit more difficult to say because the first leap could be hours or a day. It could be three days. But these last leaps, they're much bigger and they will take weeks. That doesn't mean your baby will have that same fussy behavior the whole day, every day. So it's not like one big dark cloud. Um, but in that period, you'd see your baby much more fussy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it it reconceptualizes, or we use a different lens when we think of fussiness, right? I mean, is it still calm down? It's okay, baby. It's okay. We have to make the baby stop fussing. Or do we look at this differently? I hope you'd look at the things differently. Because um, to stop a baby from being fussy, I don't think that would ever be the answer. If you would be crying about something, you know, me telling you, oh, please, you know, I'll put in a trick so you won't be crying anymore. It's never the reason because you want to help someone. So I think that's actually what we're trying to do. We're trying to get people to be, or parents to be aware of why their baby is fuzzy and how they can help their baby through the sleep. So if you understand what's going on in their brain, how they are perceiving the world, you can show them around, like just see it as, um, literally as a new whole world opening up there's two things mm -hmm. I, and you know you would be there with me dr dan and me i know this world dr dan doesn't know the world and you start to be fuzzy because everything changes um there's two things i could do i could just you know sit down and you know see how you start to be fuzzy and uh you know g let you all by yourself to explore this world or i could show you around if i mm -hmm. show you around pretty sure that would be more comforting pretty sure it would be good for our bonding and you know it's babies are humans we tend to forget that and you know they don't want to be stopped crying they want to be helped in their pure essence mm -hmm. and i think mm -hmm. that's what we give to parents the fact that they're able to do that the fact that they're if they understand that new world that opens up to them they can almost like a lonely planet guide guide them around this new world help them through it and that way the leap will be less um um, what's it called? Bad for the baby. I mean, leap isn't bad, but less difficult for the baby. Right, right, right. Well, and you had mentioned then you brought back the idea of how they're perceiving the world. And so how do parents get into the mind of their mental development, right? What are parents looking for? Because they're just seeing behavior. 
they are seeing behavior. Um, but behavior is often a sign of what's really going on. And um, after our studies, we just found out what kind of things are going on in their brains. And then in some way, although every baby is unique, in some way they all do the same things at the same time. And if you understand what kind of things a baby could be interested in, um, you know, you look at these lists of things that could be interesting to them. You just show them and, you you know, you observe your baby because observation is very, and, you know, using your intuition is very key. Um, and you see that some things just really don't interest him or her and mm -hmm. other things mm -hmm. you know, might be extremely cool. And don't try to force the things that aren't interested to them. Just try to to go along with that natural talent or that natural preference your baby has for the other things. Um, and, you know, having a, a checklist of possible things your baby might be interested in, that helps you a lot. And that's what we found out in the research. These are the possible things your baby might be interested in. Interested in. And then it's a matter of just, you know, going through them with your baby and trying to see if these are the things or if it's another category or if it's another thing. But, you know, just try them all. And, I, I'm, you know, I'm sure and millions of parents are sure that um, you'd find them along these lists. Mm -hmm. And then related, you talk about the three C's and um, the, the, the right. The three C's related to um, fussiness and the leaps. So what are these three C's? So. Every leap consists of the first, the first, it's not even a phase, the first thing in a leap is the brain change. That just happens. You can't time management, you can't plan it, you can't postpone it, even when you're ill, it comes even in a week in which, you know, stressly things might happen in your family, it just happens. Um, that is scary to a baby. So the first phase you actually go into with a, ba a baby, which is the second part of leap, is the fussy phase because everything is new to it. So that would be the phase which is the fussy behavior, behavior which is three C's, um, just for, for parents to recognize, which is clinginess. So they'll want to stick onto you literally the whole day. So And when parents see that their baby is clingy and cranky and crying, the first thing they would, they would think is something wrong with my baby. Is my mm -hmm. baby ill? Or am I doing things badly? Or am I not good enough? Um, and they're all not true. It's, uh, it's a leap, and that's actually progress. So after this phase of fussy behavior and the three Cs, you'd see that, Suddenly, your baby starts to do new things, things you couldn't do before. And probably you'd see, like, in one week, you'd see so many new things suddenly happening after this, like, dark phase of the leap. Suddenly, there's a week in which all kinds of wonders occur. Now, that's why we call it the Wonder Weeks. Mm -hmm. I see the connection there. Okay, so... This can be exhausting stuff, as all of us parents know when our kids are young, particularly the ones that um, mm -hmm. tend to have difficulty with sleeping and regulating. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering, you know, you write about how everyone's 
all development is unique, right? Every child comes in with this unique profile. How is, what is this continuum from your experience and research on degrees of leaps with fuzziness and then, you know, periods of calm versus the, the, the young ones that are just always seemingly needy and cranky and dysregulated and having trouble sleeping? So there's a big difference between um, seeing a leap and between seeing a baby that, that does everything Instagram-worthy. Because let me tell mm. you, those babies <laughs> don't exist. Yeah. Um, that is only on our, on our social channels, right? Um, right. As, a, as a parent, you would just know if your baby is not themselves. Now, you've got temperamental babies. You've got less temperamental babies. We tend to think of the temperamental babies as being a handful. And we seem to think that, you know, these, these very uh, easygoing babies need less attention. Both of them are incorrect. And I would never use the term incorrect because I think everything is, is up to parents themselves. But in this case, I would. Because okay. a temperamental baby is just showing his own unique personality. It doesn't need to be less. I know it can be challenging for parents, but there's also so many positive sides of having a temperamental character of someone. And I'm not saying that there's negative about the other type of character, the more internally oriented people. And we need all of them on our planet. And that's why I'm so so striving to get this out. Red, you know, peaceful babies, they might not cry so much as temperamental babies, but they need us the same amount. Every per person on this earth needs other people. Every baby needs their parent. And as a parent, you start to just recognize from day one, or it may be even in the womb, how your baby is. And you know that you know a temperamental baby could be extremely temperamental during a leap. And a very easy baby could maybe even go into a more silent mode during a leap but as a parent you would just know something is off mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that during the sunny weeks you know your baby will sleep eight hours and the same hours as you because that just doesn't exist every baby has their own regulation and we should respect it um every baby um has difficulties and and that's a struggle for every parent and but we'll all get through it but you would just know when it's when your baby is not him or herself, you just right. see it. Well, what do you, I'm sure you get these questions all the time, um, all over the world is how do we know when it's a, a developmental leap? How do we know when something is wrong? Um, do you have any guiding principles? Is it, is it really just use your instinct? You know, when your child is not being themselves for a prolonged period of time. Yeah. Well, there's, there's one thing which is very good about these leaps. They're timed. So you would actually know when a leap will mm. be on its way. So you can actually just check it out in our book or in an app or enroll to our newsletter. Um, and, we would, and you would just know when a leap will be happening. So we'll tell you around which week, and it will also be plus or minus one or two weeks, depending on the leap, because um, it's not like we can tell you on the 26th at 5 o'clock your baby's brain will change. You know, that would be doing magic, and it just yeah. doesn't work like that. No. Yeah. So um, this is a good um, and very nice segue into how people can use the book and the app in tandem. How, how, how would you recommend people maximize the information and the knowledge 
I think the app was always intended to be at your pocket the whole day because everybody has his phone with it. Um, so if you need to know, get the summary out, need to check it fast, bump, go to your app. Um, if you want to go deeper and have the whole story and have all the uh, all the explanation you have, all the information you have, you can't read that on your phone. You know, the book is 500 pages, reading that on your phone will ruin your eyes. And then mm-hmm. you go turn to the book in which you can um, also see all the checklists and what we have and what babies can do. And um, as where the app is summarized, the book explains it all. So you have the larger context, the background story, uh, the research and the experience in the in the text in the book, and then you have at your fingertips. If you are wanting to know, okay, what should my baby be doing now or in this in this stage? Uh, what might I be seeing? It's right there at your fingertips. Well, yeah, baby, we would never say baby should be doing something because those are actually the words we're, we're trying to find. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But, um, but, but the rest is true. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, <laughs> now, knowing that um, the clientele that uh, we work with, and I know um, a large part of our audience tends to parent kids with intensity, kids with sensitivities, as I said, maybe some kids with sleep challenges, with maybe food issues of all ages. And so I have, um, I guess, a couple parallel questions for you because um, you, how do you, when parents are overwhelmed and um, have, feel the demands are more than they can cope with, what, what is your advice to many of us out there having these experiences from time to time. Uh, well, and, you know, they continue after baby times themselves. I have yes, they do. They continue. I think what I've learned, and it, it sounds like a dull lesson, but honestly, this is one of the best lessons there is. Try to first see what the problem is. If you're dealing with something, try to do this when you're not with your kids. Try to do this when you're like alone or talking to someone. Eliminate all the details around it, but try to go to the core and try to make a decision based upon the information you have and that you have been doing your research on in the way that feels good to you. Make this decision with your full heart and then you cannot go wrong and trust yourself on that. A perfect parent doesn't exist and mm-hmm. you will make mistakes and grant yourself these mistakes. Um, you know, you grant yourself the opportunity to be exhausted because the fact that you are exhausted means you really care and you really try to do everything you can, you know, pat yourself on the back for that. Um, being a parent really isn't easy. It's, you know, it, it, everybody knows the moment they to be a parent you know love has this whole new level because you've never loved someone that way it's much deeper than you could ever love your partner or even yourself um and with this challenge comes and this responsibility of this new love life you, you life love of your life you've created comes the fact that you don't want to do things wrong um and just 
Tell yourself over and over again, if you make your decision based on information you got and your full heart, you cannot go wrong. And mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. be less, um, everybody's so, so, uh, you know, they want to be perfect. And I get that, but, you know, just try to, to mm-hmm. lower the bar for yourself sometime. So uh, a little self-kindness, um, a little um, awareness that this is one of the hardest jobs we will ever have and all we can do is our best. And I also <laughs> hear from you is moving away from the chaos when there is a lot of it. So you have a little time to think and problem solve mm-hmm. as to what might be going on and, and coming up with a solution that you fully embrace and, and um, feels right to you. Because I, you know, what I've seen in so many parents, and this is non-cultural, this is everywhere. If you make a decision based on information and your full heart, someone can come up to you and tell you the exact same, but the opposite thing. And you could still stick with your decision because you've, mm-hmm. you've made it consciously and with your heart. And that helps a lot. It sounds dull, I know, but it really helps. Mm-hmm. Well, and also what you're, the important point you're making is parents, especially when stressed out and in need, seek um, expert advice from different consultants. And I've worked with so many parents over oh. the years and even had my, our, my wife and our own experience with our three that you're told something to do about your child's problem or behavior. And it immediately, even though it might be a textbook, correct, quote, correct answer, it doesn't feel right for you and your child and you know it. And I think, I think we'll agree to trust, to trust that instinct. Correct. Absolutely. 100%. Trust your instinct. If you you open up your heart, your instinct is always right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and every expert that tells you how to do something might want to reconsider being an expert. (laughs) We would, well, for one, we would never well, tell someone right. how to do that. I give people all the information I can share so they can make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. also something we should teach our children. You know, people should make their own decisions. And yes, sometimes they might not seem to be the best decisions looking back, but those are learning moments. Grant your children these learning moments. Grant yourself these learning moments. Life is all about developing. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop until we die. Exactly. And and what you just said is so aligned with parent footprint in the sense that the way for us to show, to, to raise healthy kids, of course, is for us to engage in healthy behaviors ourselves and our kids are always watching. So I really like what you just said, which is, you know, we want our kids to be empowered to trust themselves and we need to do that, our, do that ourselves and model that for our own kids. Because we, we always think, you know, what you teach your children is how to eat with cutlery, how to hold your hand while you're sneezing or, you know, but these are not the things we're teaching our children. You know, if, if, you, if you would not teach your children how to use cutlery, I'm not saying people shouldn't teach them, let me be clear. But let's say I didn't teach them the moment they enter puberty and someone starts to love them for not using cutlery, they will instinctly, instantly turn to cutlery. So these mm-hmm. things are learned, but the way you, the things you don't mention out loud, the things you do, the way you stand in life, the decisions you make, 
um, the way they see you, that is what you're really teaching them. Yes. Okay, so as an expert on little humans um, from zero to 20 months and as an expert on older humans raising three your own, what is one thing, if you could pare, the, pare down one thing for parents who are listening to take away from this conversation, what would be the one thing that you would be guiding them in? Shift the focus from the physical milestones to the mental milestones, and that will open up to your child's heart and make your bond much better. I love it. Thank you. I as a par- yes, yeah. as a parent of um, three old adolescents, young adults, you you are so right. It doesn't change because what no. we see is behavior, and we really have to go beyond the behavior to the development to really see what is going on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, Xavier, it's time for the question, the parent footprint moment Yay. question, which I know you've been waiting for. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about a time when you became aware of yourself as an individual or a parent and that new awareness had a positive impact on your child. So um, I have to go back to that for when I was really young. I think that made the most impact on the way I am still now in my core of my existence my mom did her phd when i was and i can't remember what age exactly but four five or six and my dad would help out and we would go to my grandparents and they would well i'm not calling it babysitting because i you know i would be with my grandparents enjoying life with them and sometimes i'd go in and um I could feel somehow that my mom was like, oh, you're coming in again. But she would always give me pieces of paper, graph paper, and plot things for me. And then I had to draw a line very neatly because she needed that for her book, for her PhD. And I would do that and I would draw the lines and I would feel so confident that I, you know, I just walked in, helped my mom out. And then I started to play again because I, you know, there's like, 10 minutes as a young child, you can draw lines neatly and you want to do other things again. And I would be, feel so proud that, you know, I took care of my mom. I helped her. I liked it when she helped me. So why wouldn't I like it to help her? Um, and I've always had that thought that I helped her out with her PhD until I was in my thirties. I'm, I'm not joking here. <laughs> and someone asked me, like, how can you always be so confident about doing things? And I told them, like, I think that's what I got from my parents because they always believed in me. And um, well, they never said it. Oh, they would say it. But, you know, words are words and they go in your mind and out your mind. They showed it everything they did. And I told her, um, for example, the way, you know, we always talk about our jobs and our lives at the kitchen table. We have dinner all together. We have every meal together and make it a point of talking about our lives with everybody. And I would, t- I would tell my friend at that moment, for example, when I was that age, I started to make graphs for my mom to help her out. And I was in my 30s and I understood, oh, my gosh, you know, it just hit me. 
that wasn't that wasn't really the job. And she never published my graphs for skirt. She just showed me a big thank you. You helped me out. You did a marvelous job. And the moment I realized that, I started. You know, my mom died already at that time, so I couldn't thank her for that. And I started to really respect the fact that she always showed me with these little things that I was capable of doing everything I wanted to if I would just do my best. Mm-hmm. But she would send me back if I did the graphs too quick. She would send them, no, they're not neat enough. You need to really focus on it. So I, and that moment I realized that, that those graphs I drew, those can be life lessons for me to tell my kids, show them in these little things that they are worthy, that they have, you know, that they can do things and that if they do their best, they can actually make a difference in someone's life. Mm. And that's a lesson I took just from drawing a graph. Um, and it's, I actually still apply it with all of my kids, although two of them still aren't kids anymore. Um, and I think it's actually a lesson um, we could all because I've benefited, benefited so much from that, always being taken so seriously. Um, if if my mom would still be alive, I would have thanked her for that. Mm-hmm. That is a great parent footprint moment to show kids that they are worthy. And when they believe they're worthy, they can do something well and have an impact on the world. Yeah, and have impact on themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Saviera, thank you so much for this conversation. I want to quickly highlight a few of your points, and then you're going to tell everyone where to find your book and your app and all of mm-hmm. your great information. So everyone, remember, for those of you raising these 0 to 20 weekers, the three C's, there's fussiness, clinginess, crankiness, crying. Those are what produce the developmental leaps. And that's when they're going to do new things. Look at it with wonder because something is coming. And I also love the point, shift the focus to the physical, uh, from the physical milestones to the mental milestones. And for all of our listeners who no longer have these infants, this applies to our kids of all ages. Absolutely. Okay, Xavier, tell everyone where they can find your stuff. Well, our books are sold in every um, normal retail store or in every online retail store. And the apps you can find in either the Play Store or the App Store. And I think there is a Samsung store now too. And the app? Yeah, that's the last ones are the app, the App Store and the, the, the Play Store and the Samsung store. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right, everyone. This is uh, very easy to find because there are millions of people all over the globe that have been reading the prior editions, over 2 million. And uh, we're thinking we're going to probably have about 5 million with this new edition. And of course, the app is so easy to access. So many. I'm, I'm launching four books globally all today. So there's so much to come. Um, well, tell us. Tell us. Tell us what's launching. So I'm launching a big pregnancy book here, which shifts the focus from all the things you can't do to um, enjoying life and getting to trust your body again, because I think that is key to a good and lovely pre- pregnancy. 
Like his yes. pregnancy should be a golden time instead of, oh, I can't do this time. Um, so shifting the focus there. And then I'm working on, which will be my biggest project ever, focusing on the recovery of moms after uh, the birth. Because what we do, and this is not only Holland, this is not only Germany, it's not only Europe, it's not only America, it's globally. We see if the stitches are done, and if the stitches are done, you're off to go. But you're not mm-hmm. off to go. And later on in life, it will produce problems if you don't heal or recover well from your pregnancy, both mentally, sexually, as physically. And I will change the world in shifting to that focus because we women <laughs> need to know this. I love it. I'm glad you you said this. This is huge. This is so much more than zero to 20. All right. This is, this um, is going to changing. Changing. This is world changing. Exactly. And we need to. How can we cope living in a world that is so civilized and leaves women up to almost their own thing and not take care of them? How can we live with this? How can we stand the fact that there's more and more people with postnatal depression, which has a mm-hmm. talk about footprint, postnatal right. depression, makes a huge footprint on a, on a young, young infant? Exactly. Exactly. Okay, everyone, yeah. there's far more than the Wonder Weeks. Um, all you ladies out there who um, are pregnant or and or have had a child, and actually how, with, your new, with these new books, where, does, where are they applicable? Like when would it stop when a, when a mom of a newborn is one age or not a newborn anymore? How would you, what would you recommend for this new work? Um, after 20 months, you mean? Yeah, I mean, with the, um, Sorry, the people rec- recovering from pregnancy, I don't know if it's recovering, but healing, um, yeah. developing, um, how, how, when, so mothers who have had babies, how long ago? Because of course, they didn't, you didn't have this out three months ago or two years ago. What would you recommend yeah. for he- the healing? For now, I would recommend, um, because I'm still typing my book, so I'm still actually okay. learning from all kinds of experts. But for now, I would recommend start doing Kegel exercise. You don't know what it is, Google it, do it, and keep on doing it a couple of times per day. It will save your, let's be, because we Dutch, we're not subtle, right? It will save you from leaking urine when you're older. Yeah? Do it, keep on doing it. That is your first physical part about the mental part. There is a new section in our book about um, what you can do with anchor moments. And there are not, um, you know, go meditating for an hour or whatever. They're easy things you can incorporate in your daily life just to make sure you've got these little moments of thinking about yourself too, because you don't take care of yourself. You can't take care of your baby. Um, And I recommend these things first. And then um, I can just promise you, Dr. Dan, I will be, you know, there's two more days of interviews globally, and then I'll be on that book, and I will go day and night because this needs to get out. And I'll talk to you in a year when the book is out. Let's do that. We'll have another conversation, and you'll enlighten us some more. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Dan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show, The Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. 
Check us out at www.parentfootprint.com. You can also find our Parent Footprint Awareness Training, which is designed to help you be intentional and aware in your parenting journey. As always, be the person you want your child to become and ask yourself the guiding question I ask myself daily. What footprint do you want to leave?